You're listening to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hey everyone, and welcome to the July edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. G'day, mate! <laughs> My name's Stacey, and I'm filling in for Shane. And I'm so glad, Pastor P, that on the week of July the 4th, you have an Australian hosting this podcast. America. So, what are the essentials that I'll need in order to properly celebrate July the 4th? Okay, Stacey, before we, we really get into this, have you ever been to Outback? Yeah, I have. Like the the real Outback? Have you ever been to the real Outback? Oh, no, I mean to the restaurant. Okay. <laughs> what do Australians think about Outback, Stacey? Uh, it's great food, but it is nothing like Australia. I agree. I, I've been to Australia once, yeah. and I saw no one from Outback down there. Yeah. Hey, anyway, um, to celebrate the 4th of July, you're going to need hot dogs, you're going to mm-hmm. need fireworks, you're going to need sweet tea, and depending on your denomination, some sort of, like... Uh, yeah, but but you know it's that's a denominational thing. Baptists okay. will eat too much, and Presbyterians will drink beer. Okay, um, PBR probably. PBR. On, on, just on the Fourth of July. Good to know. Yeah, that's what you need to know. I got it. The essentials. All right. Well, on today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the subject of change, and we know that change is never easy, but leaders make difficult decisions that lead to thriving results. Perry, change is not a new concept to you. As the captain of the ship and the leader of a large organization, change is something you have had to commit to time and time again. So as we dive in today, we're going to be talking to leaders about how to inspire change in their organization or area of influence. So the first question really is, Perry, when making a change, where do you start? You said organization. Organization. That was awesome. Um, Change actually is going to have to start with the leader. Um, and so anytime a change come about, comes about, it's a result of a change in me. Um, because if, if I'm trying to lead a change that I'm not personally excited about, mm-hmm. I'll manufacture energy. Wow. And when you manufacture energy, eventually, that's why a lot of people burn out, is because they're trying to lead a change that they either aren't initiating or that they don't believe in and they've had, not had enough time with. And so change always begins... Um, like the great theologian Michael Jackson said with the man in the mirror or the woman in the mirror, but he didn't sing a song about that. Um, so change, change begins with, with me. For example, um, like as the church is you know, growing or your business is growing, mm. I really do believe that um, the leader or, you know, or, or a leader will have a sense of intuition. So maybe it's not time for the change yet, but you'll know that it's coming. And the way that know that the change is coming is look at what God is doing in your life right now. Because if God is changing you, there's a really good shot he's going to be changing what you're leading in three to six months. Wow. Yeah. That's great. That's excellent. I mean, think about that. In the, in the Bible, sorry, Stacey, um, you know, he had to change Moses before he could use Moses to, to lead the children of Israel. Wow. He had to change him on the backside of the desert, right? And he appeared to him in the burning bush, and he changed Moses. And after Moses experienced personal change, then he was able to lead enormous change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John, um, they were changed on that mountain. And you know, and then God used them to change the world. And so mm-hmm. I believe God always is going to change the leader before he changes the church or the organization. Wow, that's great. Otherwise, you're going to be mustering up that energy and it's going to be forced. And fake. Yep, you're not going to be able to do it. Yeah, that's excellent. So question number two then is, how do you know when it is the right time to make a change? So what are some indicators that change is necessary? Well, there's there's two or three um, indications that change is necessary. Number one is uh, 
it, when things have stalled, so if you're in a church, maybe your attendance has stopped growing, uh, maybe you're in a business and you stop producing revenue, and so there's a clear time to like make a change right then. The other, uh, because you got to ask questions, why did we stall, mm-hmm. what are we not doing, are there gaps um, that we need to be filling? Are there problems we're not addressing? Um, the second time that you know change is coming is after you've experienced um, what I'm going to call a, a wave of growth. And that could be if you're a church of 75 and after a particular season you're averaging 125, or maybe you went from 500 to 600, or maybe you went from 1,000 to um, 1,500, and you just had a season, whether it was six months or a year of growth. Um, after that season of growth, there's going to be some changes that you have to make. Now, here's the funny thing. Um, you're not going to know what those are mm. until during or after that season of growth. Um, because you, there, there are um, weaknesses now in your church or organization, but you can't see them. And the only way that you're gonna see them is this wave of growth or momentum is gonna expose them. And so as they're being exposed, you can't be the guy or the girl that runs around and denies that it's actually going on. You gotta be like, oh, okay, I see that. Let's change that. Let's make some adjustments there so we can continue to be healthy and grow and thrive. That's great. Yeah. And was there three? Did you say there was three Oh, um, no, I, I said two or three. Two and or three. so thanks for calling me out right, <laughs> so to recap. right in front of everybody, Stacey. Thank <laughs> recap, you so much. Number one is that things have stalled. And number two is after you've experienced a wave of growth. I think that's excellent. Yeah. So question number three is what happens when you want to make a change and you're Gonna convinced and excited change. about it? But <laughs> Once in my life. Okay, start the question over. Sorry. Question I have a Michael three, Jackson moment. I love it. Question number three is what happens when you want to make a change and you're convinced and excited about it, but your team doesn't meet your excitement and even feels like it's the wrong choice? Well, God, I believe, in the context of Christian leadership, puts people around you to protect whatever you're leading from bad ideas. Um, and so I learned this the hard way, and I've told this story on, on numerous times, but um, I remember years ago, I started God started doing something in my heart and in my mind, and he was kind of leading me in a different direction. And I was really excited about it, but I didn't tell anybody. Like, I didn't tell anybody. And I began to write it down and think about it and pray over it. And after about six months, I kind of got a clear picture of what needed to happen and how we needed to do it. And I was so excited about it. Like I was just, um, I felt like every cell in my body was going to explode at the speed of light. Like I was that pumped up. And so I remember walking into my leadership meeting and sharing it with my team. And after about 20 minutes, I'm looking around the table and I've got just a bunch of blank faces and none of them are excited about it. And um, I got angry. I got real angry. But it wasn't until later on that day that I started to realize I've been thinking about this for six months, and I just gave them 20 minutes. And so anytime that you present something that you've, um, you've been thinking about, praying about, you're excited about, and the team isn't as excited about it, you got one or two options. Number one, they need time. Or number two, it's a bad idea. And uh, when they begin to ask questions... I used to look at that as, well, you're just not as godly as me, or you're not a great leader, or you just don't understand. But when they're asking questions, especially in that context, they're asking questions 
for clarification. They're not asking mm. questions to tear you down. And so whenever you present an idea and it seems to hit a wall, that's a great place for a leader to stop and ask, all right, is this a vision thing? Do I need to cast this more? Do I need to just, do we need to pray about this a little bit? Or is it really a bad idea? And as they're asking questions, um, I'm realizing this. Now, there's two things that will stall the leadership process right here. It's when a leader is dominated by fear and insecurity. Fear, because his idea or her idea is really bad and it's going to be perceived that way, or they think it's being perceived that way because people are asking questions about it, and insecurity. Because every leader that I know that's honest deals with some level of insecurity. And uh, it just takes a secure person to Mm -hmm. walk into a room and say, I've got an idea, and have it be able to be questioned. And I'm, I'm telling you, Stacey, some of um, the best leadership done at New Spring Church is the leadership team that God has placed around me to serve with me um, have told me, hey, man, that's that's just not a great mm-hmm. idea. That's that's some of the best stuff that ever has happened. And so that, that that's what I would say. That's how I'd that's answer that good. question. Yeah. So how do you then manage the tension of a secure leader and then someone who's just steamrolling over people? Because I feel like that's a tough um, tension to manage. Yeah, so if you got a leader that's steamrolling over people, um, eventually that person won't be around anymore. Or all the good people will will leave that department or that that mm-hmm. area. I heard somebody say this one time, somebody much smarter than me, and they were probably quoting somebody much smarter than them. But they said people join an organization or they join a company or they join a movement, but they leave a person. So they'll join wow. a company, but they'll leave a person. And so, hey, I believe in this cause. And sometimes it's, I believe in this cause until I met Bob. And Bob is a rear end. And so because Bob is a rear end, and by the way, I report to him, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm walking out. And so that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the thing that you got to watch as a leader. Yeah. I heard somebody say this the other day. In fact, there's a great theologian, Tyler Tatum, mm-hmm. who uh, works on our staff. And um, he said the other day that an org chart is actually a care chart. That's right. And I was like, holy cow, that is amazing. An org chart is a care chart. So it's a, a leader that's not dominated by fear and insecurity will actually see the people um, as people they're called to lead and shepherd. And if they don't understand, it's not their fault it's the leader's fault, and they're going to take ownership and responsibility for making things as clear as possible. That's excellent. Yeah. That's really I thought good. so. That's really I good. I thought that was good. I'm going <laughs> to high-five myself. It's because I quoted Tyler Tatum. Yeah, I love it. That leads us to our next question. Um, when making a change, is it better to take the Band-Aid approach and make the change as quickly as possible um, while avoiding steamrolling over people, or should change eventually happen through a series of smaller, slower changes? It depends. Like, um, so if you've got a person and they got you to a certain level, but you're not sure they can get you to the next level, um, sorry, I had to burp. If they got you to this level, then you need to at least offer them, another burp, uh, offer them the luxury of trying to coach them through mm, the next level. That's good. Um, because I, that's when a change can happen slow. It's like, I'm not sure if they're going to make it. 
And we've got, I've got story after story after story of people that made it and people that didn't make it. But they didn't make it, not because we didn't try or because I didn't yeah. try. It's because they really were like, hey, man, this is my capacity. And that's okay. That's um, God told Moses, clearly, there are leader, leaders of thousands, mm-hmm. hundreds, fifties, and tens. And, and that he clearly said certain people have capacity to lead. And, and so I would say when it comes to that, um, the changes need to be made, you know, kind of slow and kind of work people through the system. And it, my rule is always try to be as fair to the person as possible. That's good. It's being affected by the change. Um, where a change needs to happen fast is if you discover, like in your church or your business, that something unethical has taken place or there's a morality issue. Um, you got to act quick on those things. You can't be like, well, let's just kind of pray about it and hope he stops having an affair on his wife. No, you, you got to step into that situation and make the change right. really fast. And so I would say, and the other thing I would say, Stacey, is how many, how many people is the change going to directly affect? Because if the change is going to directly affect a lot of people, then it probably doesn't need to be made very Mm -hmm. hastily unless it comes back to an issue of ethics or morality. That's great. Yeah. So it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. No, there's not, because you can look at some things and go, man, if they don't don't make a change, they're, they're going to absolutely implode um and the other areas you're like man i'm looking forward to watching them make make a very significant change like okay for example in the book of acts you've got acts chapter one you got jesus in acts one sharing very very clear vision about what he wanted to do for his church but then the church doesn't grow immediately um they replace um, Judas with, mm. was it Matthias? Is it Matthias? Yeah, that's Matthias, I think. They replaced Judas with Matthias um, as the apostle. So they dealt with the leadership infrastructure. Mm. Then in chapter 2, they go from 120 to 3,000. Okay, so so then they had to make some changes. Um, in chapter 4, uh, Acts chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says the number of men grew to about 5,000. So there's around 20,000 people coming to the church. And so you see all through Acts 4 and even Acts 5, the church leaders making adjustments to change. In Acts 6, um, it starts out and says at a, um, the, number of this, uh, the number of people attending the church was increasing rapidly. Then they had the whole problem with the Hebraic Jews complaining against the, you know, other, other Jewish people about the widows not being fed. And in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 through 7, the church makes a change that I believe saved the church movement. It literally saved everything, but, but they were willing to make changes. They mm-hmm. made changes in Acts chapter um, 8 when persecution broke out. They made changes in Acts chapter 10 when Peter preached the gospel to the Gentiles. They made changes in Acts chapter 15 at the first Jerusalem council. I mean, all through the gospel, or all through, I call it the fifth gospel, but all through the book of Acts, the church is making changes in order to accommodate the growth they've just had and in order to facilitate new growth that they knew that were that was coming their way wow that's excellent i've never heard the book of acts being shared through that lens of change but i think that's excellent accommodate and facilitate yeah i've never said that before so that was somebody's write that down that's really good i'm in a rhyming mood right now my inner td jakes is coming out a rap right now no (laughs) no i don't want to do that and our podcast listeners do not want me to rap there's nothing worse than a middle age white guy trying to rap on a leadership podcast. <laughs> Nothing. 
Nothing. Oh, we'll Nothing is worse. One. Okay. All right. Question number six for you today, Pastor B, is how do you inspire change in an organization if it's already set in its ways? Well, I know the answer to this one because I did it wrong. And I did it wrong twice. And so not only did I get it wrong once, but I got it wrong twice. Um, the very first church I served, there was about 90 to 100 people in the entire church, about 10 kids in the youth group. And I was hired as the part-time youth pastor. And uh, I was real young in my faith. I was a young Christian. And um, I knew everything. I knew how church should be done. I knew how um, correct theology. I knew all that stuff. And I went tearing into this church. And um, the entire you know six months of the first year, I felt like I was fighting. Now, the people loved me, but, but I'm like, I, I was attacking what people had held dear for 50 years. And um, I, I didn't understand, man, there's a way to lead through change, mm. but you don't do it through attacking the way things are, especially if you're stepping into a traditional church model. You do it by respecting and acknowledging the past. Wow. And um, in my first church, it completely changed. I was asked to teach um, the, the senior adult men's Sunday school class. Um, one Sunday, and this was, and all these guys hated me, and so I was like, "Oh, great, I get to go talk." And so I looked at the lesson the night before because I was a good Baptist, and the lesson that I was supposed to teach them on was about sex. So I'm about, and this was pre Viagra days, so I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to kind of go in and have this conversation with these men that are sixty or seventy. I mean, I called it the heaven bound class um, because they were heaven bound, like that their next class was in heaven. And so I am scared to death, and I go in, and none of these men really like me. And I remember the day I sat down, and this wasn't wise leadership. It was me not knowing what to do. And I asked him questions. I said, hey, how long have y'all been in the church? And how did this church get built? And how did this church get started? And why does this look like this? And, and I let them teach me about the traditions of that church for an hour. Mm. That changed, my, that changed wow. my trajectory at that church. Because I could step in and have a conversation with Mr. Thomas and say, Mr. Thomas, um, there really was a guy named Mr. Thomas, but um, Mr. Thomas, uh, I know you've kind of always done things this way, but have you ever thought about this? And I was able to connect with him. And so I didn't go in and say, hey, I'm the young, smart leader that's so awesome that I know everything. That just turns people off. And that's why a lot of guys or girls kind of get fired when they go in and just start attacking everything. Mm. Um, and so, I, but I did it in my second church too. I'd be like, we need to change this. We need to change this. We need to change this. And I remember a staff meeting where the pastor who loved me looked at me and said, hey man, I'm trying to hold the church together right now. You think you can help me with that? Wow. And I was like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Um, but once again, I was attacking things rather than trying to understand the context of where the people who were resisting change were coming from. Because a lot of times, yeah, they're just ungodly and stuck in their ways and all mm-hmm. that other stuff. But a lot of times, it's that's all they've ever known. And so you got to give them time to process, and you got to cast vision and show them why where you are is not where you want to be. Give them time to adjust to it and then lead through it. That's mm-hmm. what a secure leader will do. That's good. So is that a difficult thing, not being the senior pastor of a ministry or a church oh, gosh. and trying to implement change? It would be more difficult to have been the pastor that I worked for. Um, one of one of the guys in the ministry that I respect deeply um, is named Bill Rigsby. He's the pastor of North Anderson Baptist Church in Anderson, South Carolina. He's been there for over 20 years, and he had me on staff for over six years. 
Wow. And uh, about once every two or three years, I send him a letter or an email saying, thank you for not firing me. Mm-hmm. I know it was a consideration on many days and nights. Um, and it had to be. It had to be on a couple of occasions. But I just remember um, if I thought the church should change something and I couldn't do it, the, the way that I would kind of lead through it is just sit down and have lunch or dinner with Bill mm-hmm. and just wow. say, Bill, what do you think about this? And what do you think about this? And do you think we could do this? And do you and, and instead of walking in his office and, you know, tacking the ninety five thesis to his door and slamming down my hand like the next Martin Luther, mm. I I sat down and asked him questions and I was able to kind of navigate some things and lead some changes or lead through some changes and actually take some weight off of his shoulders that I think I think as I look back in that season in ministry, our church really was growing, it really was healthy, and it really was beneficial for me as a leader. That's great. That's really good. And I think I was reading early today, sometimes that there people are afraid of making a change, but oftentimes complacency is more dangerous than the change that is anticipated. It absolutely is. And so what are the dangers in your mind of not being willing to change? Like, what is at risk? The life of the church. Um, uh, a lot of churches in America are dying. And they're not dying because, um, you know, all these studies have came out, the Pew survey that came out, and religious studies, and people don't go to church anymore, and people don't love God anymore. And um, see, I don't think that's true. I I think people don't go to some churches anymore. Um, Because there are churches in America that are growing, Mm. and they're reaching people for Christ. And so as long as there's a Hillsong in New York or as long as there's a North Point in Atlanta or as long as there's a Life Church, um, and they've probably got a campus on the moon by now, but as long as there's a where people are coming to Christ and being saved, I don't think we can use the argument church doesn't work anymore. Wow. You know, the church has been through some pretty rough stuff in the past 2,000 years. And if the church was able to overcome the Inquisition I think it'll deal with social media just fine, um, and and so and Jesus Jesus said that he would build his church. That's right. And so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna rely on that. So the biggest the biggest um, risk of change is honestly the death of the church or the or mm-hmm. the death of the ministry. Change will are refusing to change means that you have embraced mediocrity with open arms. Wow. And so I, I, I think that's the, that's the risk of being unwilling to change. Um, and especially with churches where people are coming to Christ. You know, the, the metaphor I use there is me and Lucretia, my wife, had to significantly change our lifestyle when Karis was born. And it wasn't based around us. It really was based around her. And uh, that's what – I think that's one of the biggest difficulties – that older, they would call themselves more mature believers, have in the church is we don't see that it's our responsibility to change rather than expecting all these new believers to change into people in two months that it took us 20 years to become. So that was a little discipleship nugget there on the Peer Noble Leadership Podcast. That's awesome. And I want to reiterate something that you just said. Refusing to change means that you have embraced mediocrity with open arms. Now that that is, that's great. come to you, well, love <laughs> Go ahead. No, all right. Sorry. Had a journey moment. Was that journey? Oh. That was journey. Open arms? Yeah. I don't know who They say faithfully, is, too. You don't know who journey is? No. <laughs> you don't know who I'm journey? I'm sorry, I don't. Y'all, 
We're going to pause on the Perry Noble <laughs> Leadership Podcast. I just want all of you, especially in the South, that just passed out <laughs> on the treadmill. I apologize. In the car. Oh, I can goodness. promise you that by the next time she comes on this podcast, yeah. she will know who Journey is. <laughs> is and may god have mercy on her soul amen all right good all right moving on as you're well aware pastor p everyone in church has an opinion um and so who should be involved in determining what changes need to be made and who should you listen to so great question let's say um and we'll just hypothetically say i'm going to make a decision or i feel like i need to make a decision that impacts the children's ministry um let's say that i see X, Y, or Z, and I said, hey, I think we need to change this. Well, I've got the authority, and I've got the ability to make the change. I mean, I can just do it. I could be like, hey, we're going to call it, instead of Kid Spring, we're going to call it, uh, you know, whatever, and just make up a name. Um, and we've got some really great people in our children's ministry, and they would they would do it, and all, everything would be great. But I believe that if you're going to implement change, the people that are going to be directly impacted by that change probably at least need to have a, a conversation at the mm-hmm. table. And so if I'm going to do something that impacts the children's ministry area, instead of walking in tomorrow and going, hey, we're renaming Kidspring, I should say, all right, I want to meet with I want to meet with Brad Cooper because he's over families. I want to meet with Sherry Duffy because she's over um, all the children's ministry. I want to meet with a couple people from her team. I want to cast this idea out. I want to have the conversation because they're going to be directly impacted by the change. Mm -hmm. They're going to have to lead the change. They're going to have to navigate the change. They're going to have to believe the change. And so before I can go and announce it to everybody, I need to have the buy-in of the key leaders that's going to affect before I go out and announce it. Does that make sense? That does. And so everybody has an opinion. You're, you're, you're right. But the people that are going to be directly impacted the most by the change should at least be able to have a conversation where they're free to ask any question that they need to ask in order to really own the vision of the why behind the change. Mm. That, that's the... So other issue, Stacey, is a lot of times we'll we'll say what we're going to change. We don't say why we're going to do it. And it's not that people don't buy into the what. They just don't understand the why. Wow, because if they great. understood the why, they would totally buy into the what. That's great. So as well as that, like explaining the why and communicating, how can you make people be comfortable with the change, particularly your core team and those around you? Well, are you familiar with the DISC? personality? I am. Okay. So an S or a C, are they're never going to be comfortable with change. S's and C's, and they're not bad people. Mm-hmm. They're not bad people. What are you? Do you know what you are? A I'm D, a D I, and a C. D and a C. Okay, so a D and an I, if that's your dominant personality, you're going to be okay with change. I's don't even know what time it is right now, <laughs> and so they're, they're fine. But an S and a C, they love stability, and they love systems. Mm-hmm. And so when you change, and I'm not saying personality is a, an excuse to not change. I'm just saying they're always good. And so you got to understand the personality type that you're dealing with. you got to understand how long have we had this system in place? Why are they nervous? And encourage them, hey, it's going to be okay. And here's the beautiful thing. If we screw it up, we can go back and start over. And, that's, uh, and that's, the, that's, the thing that's, so, that's the thing that's so beautiful about change. That's awesome. So do you have any final thoughts as we close out today's podcast? First of all, Journey is amazing. <laughs> I and will I listen. can't believe I will that I mean, if you're listening to our podcast in Australia and you listen to Journey, 
I need to hear from you. I've never heard of them before. Oh my, that my heart is, br- Stacy. You need to change. That that's what needs to change. I'll embrace this change. Um, just here's the deal. Change isn't easy. That's why a lot of people don't do it. Refusing to change brings death. That's why a lot of things die. Mm. And so I think um, it, it's listen in most churches or businesses, intelligence is not the issue. And when I say that, I mean, you can walk into them and ask them, what are your top three or four problems? And they're smart people. They know the top three to four problems. I mean, they're going to they're gonna nail it on the head. It's not an intelligence issue. It's a courage issue. Mm-hmm. Because even though you know you got to pull the trigger, um, a lot of times we will fall short in the, in, in the courage part where because it's not easy to lead through change. People that lead through change, they're called pioneers, and they normally have arrows in their back. Mm, um, wow. And so, you, 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 I mean, it's a, it's a tough, tough, tough thing. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, especially if you're in church world, we follow a man who changed the world by changing the systems um, that people did, did ministry. And so reading through the Gospels, there's no way we can ever be satisfied with status quo if we're a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. That's really good. Thanks. Thanks for all the wisdom you shared today, Pastor P, and for encouraging me to listen to Journey. Yeah, Journey. We're going to do it. Hey, for those of you on the Peer Noble Leadership Podcast, I promise we'll have this problem solved. For everyone tuning in, we hope you enjoy July the 4th and all the hot dogs and beverages and fun that go along with that. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you tune in again next month.